0: in the England dressing room. We can say our shag
1: Where's he going? <laughs> Welcome back to the front three. Oh, dear. Adam Bold here alongside Lawrence McKenna. You got what you deserved. And Dave O'Brien. Hello, hello, hello. And Chris Hennage. Good, Good evening. There he is. <laughs> yeah, we just, 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 <laughs> guys, Oh shit, wasn't it? Just
2: um, shit. Yeah, it was actually pretty poor. I mean, England did... We're referring to England losing to uh, Iceland. Um, one of the teams of the tournament who have surprised everyone so far.
1: Hmm, I mean, <laughs> we'll come on to Iceland, I think. Fucking squawker, That's we'll a we... good day. Nice but first off... <laughs> Let's talk about England, Dave. An embarrassing defeat
3: and uh, an abject performance. Thank you. Yeah, it was poor. Very, very poor. Didn't move the ball well. Uh, Had no tempo to the game. Had the wrong players on. Were far too narrow. But credit to Iceland. That 4-4-2 that they play, very aggressive, very like the top teams that are competing in Spain at the moment, like Villarreal, like Sevilla, like Atletico Madrid. They played it down to a tee and they played it so well and they played it positively. They were playing out from the back. They were hitting the target man when they needed to. They were running off him. It was just a, a great performance from Iceland. You know, don't take it away from them. England were poor, yes, but Iceland really, really performed. And, you know, France have been good in spells in this tournament. You know, the second half against the Republic of Ireland, they were brilliant. But the other two games, they sort of came alive, maybe the 80th minute. they I, Iceland could really cause this French team a lot of trouble if if France don't start from the start, don't come out guns blazing, if Antoine Griezmann isn't played as um, an attacking midfielder. From the start, there's going to be issues. There really is going to be issues. So, Iceland, ones to watch this tournament, there really are. Again, I love the emergence of these small teams. We we mentioned it in the in the the preview to the po- the preview podcast that there will be a team that would come alive, and this is the team for me. Iceland potentially could upset upset there. France, who are arguably one of the favourites, and then go on to play Italy or Germany. What a story that is for it. Icelandic football. You know, Rory was banging, banging on on the live show, um, how off. they have a pool of 90 players. And they've beaten the mighty England that have four <laughs> professional divisions. Crazy.
1: There's no doubt that Iceland deserved to win Lawrence. But England, there was almost this crushing inevitability about them going out to Iceland, a team they should be being. I mean, they were so bad. I think Ian Wright had some sort of meltdown live on air. He couldn't stop comparing the game to the plot of Space Jam saying that Iceland had stole the talent of the England players. It's not necessarily that... <laughs> I wonder who made that joke, joke to him before he went on air. <laughs> um, it's, it's not necessarily that England... like. It's not surprising necessarily that England were bad. It was just how bad they were. Every, every cross was over hit, There were wayward passes all over the pitch. There just didn't seem to be any cohesion at all.
2: The thing is, if it was the plot of Space Jam, then surely the Iceland players would have exhibited some of the qualities of England. But actually, they didn't. Um, oh, because... I mean, they were they were much better, um, and es- I mean, essentially, they will have stolen it from some other team, not the England side, if that's the case. But also, uh, I mean, what does that make Wayne Rooney? Does that make Wayne Rooney? Well, England <sighs> lost in the end, so England are the monsters. I
1: think, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Ian Wright really fought through his Space Jam. Metaphor Maybe it's Space
2: Jam too. Um, Maybe he's seen the script beforehand. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. fair enough. Either but, way, either way, I love Wrighty, and I think he's made some good points this tournament. So I will not hear him put down like that, Adam. <laughs> Um, but my, my, <laughs> it, was just
1: hard it was hard but, to know, Lawrence. It was hard to know. But the point
2: would also be with, with England is that um, actually they they played it quite a simple game plan that was quite easy to play against, and so a real issue with them was that um, essentially you couldn't you, you, they, there wasn't enough creativity, there wasn't enough uh, sort of engineering within the side, and it was all actually quite two dimensional. So when Iceland did play their game, well, look what we came out with. Uh, they came out with a couple of goals, and they attacked England in the perfect places, like Dave's already said. So England were left sort of flat-footed. And then the only time when they didn't look flat-footed was when Rashford came on. Um, and they, well, just attacked
1: Mm. I mean, of course, Roy Hodgson stepped down after the game, Dave. Um, I mean, obviously one of the most humiliating defeats in, in the national team's history, you have to say. I do feel but- there's
2: something a bit disrespectful. And I almost feel like there's a fallacy of thinking in England that people sort of think, oh, well, if we change a few figures, win them game, And we've got a few guys coming through that, by the way, were essentially developed by an Argentinian in the Premier League. Um, then somehow things will be different. But actually, doing this, and we we said this at the last tournament, and they've said it at the previous tournament, the previous tournament before that. Doing the same thing over and over again is known as sort of madness. But essentially, it's also stupidity, and that's part of the problem. You know, there are some. I mean, the the headline writers and the guys who have got uh, the massive narrative pens are probably drawing huge lines over Brexit and everything else because the the guys who are conservative within football within the FA are going to be saying, "Well, we didn't do this, we didn't do this, we didn't do this." Mm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, essentially, there are there are a lot of four guys in the press and no one's getting to the heart of it, which is that England is not developing talent in the way that they need to be developing talent, they're not training them in the way they need to be training and it's a very uh, uh, there's a real lack of creation within the England side and within the England culture
1: Yeah, of course we come you know, these are the same big questions that we ask after every major tournament exit um, about the lack of of, of players and how we development. But in terms of, before we come on to, I think we're going to come on to those big questions tomorrow, really. You know, who's going to replace Hodgson, all this sort of stuff, because no doubt this, port, this post-mortem will sort of, you know, gather pace. But for today, I mean, what do you make of the mistakes that potentially Hodgson made during the tournament and during this game, Dave? I mean, you were talking about Rashford needing to, to come on at halftime, you brought him on late. He made somewhat of an impact, but maybe should have been given more time to do so.
3: Absolutely. I just feel that the, the, the whole thing is a, is a little bit too late to uh, the decisions were very, very poor. Marcus Rashford, he's, he's a player that plays without fear. It's something that I said pre-tournament, that he's a player that's played within a Louis van Gaal system and he's excelled there. Jesus, that must mean he has some talent and has some ability to do things out of the blue of the system. Again, Hodgson is a system manager. They played this 4-3-3, the 4-4-2 uh, diamond for uh, qualifying and again in the tournament. The 4-3-3 that he was playing was a very outdated 4-3-3. It was more like um, three central midfielders, three strikers that weren't tracking back and weren't making that second band of, you know, the band of five in front of the back four. Um, and for a player not to not to be in the squad that not to be in the team that gives England a bit of natural width in Marcus Rashford was absolutely mental. What in the the f- eight minutes or whatever it was, the four minutes of normal time and three minutes, the seven minutes, sorry, you know, uh, completing three take-ons, dribbling past three players more than any other player, on the, so no player on the pitch managed more. Absolutely crazy that he wasn't started. He was so exuberant and just got at the Icelandic defenders and it's a thing that you have to do. If, you, if you're facing a narrow, deep block that sits in a four-four-two 4 that is happy for you to have the ball, you need to draw players in. You need to pull players out of position by dribbling at them and having a go at them and then switching it wide, and then switching it to the other wing. But it's something England didn't do until, what, the last four or five minutes of the game, which was absolutely Mm. crazy. It seems like, again, we sort of see in Iceland, oh, they play 4-4-2, or whatever, We'll, we'll roll these over. It seems like there's been no a deep uh, tactical analysis of what they've done and look like, okay, we've seen that their fullback is slow. Let's put on Marcus Rashford from early on. I feel like it's a bit of, it's that we are England that we are better than you. We're going to beat you sort of mentality. The chickens have come to roost, essentially. You guys,
2: you guys think that you can go, I mean, there's a lot of people who thought they could go out there. A lot of fans who thought, not all of them, but a lot of fans who thought they could go out there and treat it like shit. Brexit treated the, treated a union like shit. A lot of people going out there with a mentality. It's, it's true, though, Adam. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a country which uh, essentially comes from roots which it, it denies and then chooses not to acknowledge and, and wants to think that everyone around the world likes them they like to think they're the lovable james bond-esque rogue that can stroll into a tournament and get through by the skin of its teeth and it's sold this continually and then it's also sold the idea that you know you can get you can get through just and things will be all right and you know as long as you sort of muddle through now okay but actually what other countries have done is they've looked at how to progress in their football and they've taken a very humble look at their football and not done what britain has done and they've, they've looked at what they do badly. Look at Germany. Look at the way they see themselves nationally. Mm. They, they, they have had a, a terrible history in terms of, uh, you know, relations with other countries, not least because of the war, but because of other things as well. And, you know, they're looking at that. And at least there are people who are sort of uh, engaged enough with their politics and knowledgeable enough about their history to know and therefore not repeat the mistakes of history. But England continue to do it. And that's because there are certain fallacies in the way they think. And they have full men over and over again. Some of those full men count as Hodgson because Hodgson was in the job too long anyway. But why would you deny a job where you'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll give it a try. I'm not going to turn down millions of pounds every year. A really great job and a way to build myself up for no reason.
1: I don't. I see what you're saying about history repeating itself. I'm not sure I agree about England uh, Fans and the England team and the national team set up thinking they're loved and going in with any sort of arrogance or brashness because everyone recognizes England aren't that good everyone no knows. no
2: no no that's not true though they go in there and what, what? they do is they in england don't recognize that england keeps saying it mm. because it's that false yep. modesty what they want everyone out what they want to do is go in and go no we're not that good and then post-tournament be like what a comeback the phoenix rises from the flames just like britain I in think, the second world war da, 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 i da, think da, i really da, agree no, with no, that you're
1: since all about 2000 dicks. and since about 2010 i
3: feel well, like I feel, I think they don't play that way, though, Adam. They go with that, that attitude on the pitch so they can outpass people. And they have the tempo to do that. You know, again, going back to what we said pre-tournament, Leicester City won the Premier League playing counter a counter attacking four-four-two, a traditional English style. We went to the tournament and we played a very, uh, sort of a, a cocky way, where we play a 4-3-3, play a 4 diamond. Yet we had components that could have been in that squad that could have played a four-four-two 2 down to a And you would play as like, you know, Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane up front. They, they, how many minutes did those two get together as a front two? Absolutely crazy, and really, really crazy. I, I don't think
1: those mistakes, though, come from hubris. I think they come from ineptitude on the part of Hodgson is, and the people above them. But that Butler. ineptitude
2: is based on what? It's based on a system which, uh, you can't just say it's just Hodgson. I mean, Hodgson is essentially fighting no. against so many years of issues that have been built up through the FA. And, you know, I'm not blaming it solely on that. I think it was a really poor tactical performance. I think there are a number of issues which directly relate to uh, the side now and the issues that are that are immediately there. But those are short-term issues, which uh, if England were to deal with the issue or the issues that they have properly, we'd see a sharp change in a sharp turn in. You see that in evidence in Germany, Spain, Italy, a number of other sides who have addressed their problems. Of course, problems.
1: because, I mean, even, even if we'd have beaten Iceland tonight, I don't think anyone thought, you know, oh, we're going to go and beat France all of a sudden because of, of how much better they are than us. It would have been papering over the cracks almost. I mean, in terms of this Tournament, Chris. I mean, looking at it now, we've gone out to Iceland, uh, and it's been a poor tournament. We haven't beaten Russia. We we failed to overcome Slovakia. It was a last-minute win against Wales, and now succumbing to come into to Icelanders. I think the guys have pointed out have a population of three hundred thousand people. I mean, it's the size of Leicester, essentially. What, what's your ass- assessment of Hodgson in this tournament and the mistakes that have been made there?
0: Well, population, I don't think, has a massive impact on your ability to produce a football team. Um, I think you look at Uruguay, they prove that there's no real correlation between the two. I think what you can say about Hodgson is he's hes not the right man for this job. He, he is a very old-school, traditional manager with a, a limited set of skills that I think works for small nations that want to build their international teams or their international... Situation from the ground up to a midpoint. England have never needed that. They've always been at the midpoint. They've been stuck at the midpoint and actually falling backwards for a long time. His inclusion as manager to me shows that there aren't many forward thinking people at the Football Association to begin with. And this is long before we even broach on the subject of the institutionalized nature of picking players, largely based on clubs. Now, this is obviously a conspiracy theory that a lot of fans of lesser clubs try out at this precise moment i'm struggling to see any strong case against it because for me wayne rooney people like him they shouldn't be starting for england right now he's not he's not good enough he's simply not good enough and it's not enough to to make him the scapegoat and say he's the issue he is really not he is the symptom of a problem he is not the problem and this is one of the other issues that we get mired in is that too often we focus on the symptoms rather than the issue at hand which is the decision makers at the Football Association and those who decide to pay Roy Hodgson what they do and give him longevity after what was let's not forget a dire World Cup showing they still chose to stick with him and yes he guided them through qualification with with relative ease against much lesser teams Yet, when you take them to a tournament and you on paper play a team that, again, is, you would argue, maybe four or five years ago, fit into the category of a lesser team, he still can't do it. And I, I just have so little time for England as a, as a team and, and as a concept. I struggle to see why those people who spend the money and, and invest in tickets and hotels and why they do it, because I don't see what they gain from it. They gain maybe a 3 0 win in in Lithuania or Latvia the the most part you look even just at the the end game yeah. yeah, Icelandic players been so small. It's got nothing to do with that. It really hasn't. There is a genuine connection and bond between player and fan and appreciation for what they do. There simply isn't that with England and there hasn't been for a long time. There is a the disconnect between the players and the fans that I think really harms the national team as a, as a consequence and <clears throat> part of the problem is the premier league is marketed as the best league in europe yet realistically how many of those england players are leading men for their club or have been this season i mean chris it, it's also perfect the,
2: the, i mean what about the perfect contrast with a country like iceland who treated uh, a real problem with in their country as the ultimate uh, challenge for them and have built a side with uh, the the resources they've actually had. They've acknowledged what they have and they've, in, they've acknowledged what they're working with. They've not just said, oh, we've got the best league in the world, we've got the best, we've got this, we've got that. And they've and they've essentially looked at how to build a team out of the resources they have and built something and then gone to a tournament and executed that well. England haven't done that.
0: Yeah, I, Iceland have adapted to the, the stones that were thrown in their path. The, the recession hit them incredibly hard. It forced a lot of domestic clubs to get rid of higher-running foreign players, and that gave opportunities to Icelandic players. I think we can talk about the infrastructure that they implemented and the pitches they built and the coaches they put through. There was also that little element of fortune. In, in the sense of that while the recession crippled the country, it did have some benefit to it, at least the domestic football situation. Um, the fact that, again, that, that country can be that organised that should be another instance where you think why, why is England still struggling to find that organisation? Because of the institutionalised boys club that runs the FA and, yeah. and that's part of the problem is that too many of the same people get the same jobs over and over again there is a very small pool for what is a country that could attract much bigger I sat and watched Chile last night and was genuinely enthralled by them as a football team and a prospect even when they went down to 10 men They sort of reorganized themselves, they went to a a 3-4-2, and they looked just as dangerous with 11 men as they did 10, if not even a little more dangerous than 10, as baffling as that sounds to, to anyone listening. But again, I look at a country like that, and I look at the way that the coach Juan Antonio Pizzi speaks about the supporters and appreciating them and the players and the commitment of players like Arturo Vidal. I don't see that commitment with with England players. That's the other concern, is that there's a lot of the intangibles that you expect as a given at these kind of situations aren't present in this England team. And, of course, in in today's situation, we can really get bogged down in analytics and statistics and tactics. And and Dave can speak very eloquently and articulately about how we need to look at that situation and, and why Rashford should play. It's a multifaceted problem, though. It's a mixture of that and then a mixture of the fact that these players couldn't get up for this game after they went 2-1 behind. They shrunk inside themselves and never really recovered. And why is that? We need to work out as much as why is that, as, as much as why are these players not able to play in a cohesive unit when some of them, Fardy Kane etc I've had a really good season in the the domestic league
2: can't wait to see the top five reasons why England won't win the next one or whatever it is (laughs) where where we don't actually analyze what's going on and we just sort of try and make a series of clickbait out of it so I do think that's part of the issue is that people aren't currently looking to analyze anything serious they're just looking to (laughs) name things one video after another um and you know essentially I think there is a big Are you issue about No what I'm saying is that uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is there's a lot of very clickbaity things out there there's there's a time for discussion which TFR definitely covers and then there's a time for oh, uh, covering news in a very in in a better way, and there are times where I don't think that we particularly do that well as a sphere because a lot of people rather get the clicks than get the analysis. They don't want mm. the long form stuff; they want the short term hits, and that's why uh, England have real PR issues because people want uh, a, a soundbite ahead of wanting you know something of actual worth, and that's why we ended up not in Europe because people want a soundbite, which is Boris Johnson, ahead of uh, someone who's <laughs> got who's got a longer answer. Like uh, Corbyn, and they'll blame the wrong people, but essentially, there are, there are a lot of issues, I think, with both of those things. And it is, it, there's a huge, I do think a lot of uh, the analysis and the, the relationship between Hodgson and the other guys is down to a media that wants to snipe and wants to uh, set up a, a, a place where they can essentially get clicks out of uh, sort of sending out correct information. People rather be first and getting millions of views than second or third. And getting you know worthwhile views um, with uh, content which is actually looking at the situation.
1: I know, of course, there are the large problems, and like I say, they always come after after major tournaments. I'm not trying to do Iceland disservice by mentioning the, the population size, but you'd assume the size of our country there's a bigger pool tank there bigger sample size that's why you'd expect them to beat Iceland now you're pointing out that of course uh, Iceland have been more effective in the way that they've brought in new infrastructure in the way they've actually set up their national team and of course that's something that England haven't done for a long time mm-hmm. and of course that's all going to be raked over but the, the, some of the issues that Kristen brings up there Dave he's talking about player motivation, he's talking about setting up this team tactically. And surely in this tournament, that rests on Hodgson's head. And that's why, as well as all the the, the failures of the last four years, he he basically had to.
3: Dave is not there anymore. Sorry, lads, I was on mute. <laughs> um, yeah, t- technically, I think that Roy Hodgson, they should have evaluated that in the last tournament. Same issues that were there are still here now. Um, and again, it's um, what what kind of frustrates me is there's no one that's sort of forward thinking that we see in the media that has and has a chance to be in this role. Someone like Eddie Howe that is quite a forward thinking coach, got into the coaching game very early. He's someone that should be touted as the next England manager. He should be using experience to potentially look to help to others follow that same path. You know, go back to how much it costs to do the the level one. Absolutely mental in coaching. Too much money. Absolutely crazy. They should be paying people to do that course or they should be supporting them in a better way, doing, okay, we'll pay for the course, um, and then you have to do X amount of hours at your local club. Do something like that. Get coaches into the game. Get people that are forward-thinking into the game of football to give England something else. You know, look at the the great tactical writing that we have on the internet. So many good websites out there that do really good stuff, yet we don't see any of that injected into our own game, and it just, it's just it's very, very frustrating to see overall, you know, there's so many things that this England team could have done and could have been, could mm. have played certain systems and, and whatever, whatever they played, a 4-4-2 four, a four, four, or a 3-5-2 that could have, that would have fit this side down to an absolute team. The 3-5-2 with the current squad, a 4-4-2 four, four, with other iterations of that team. But again, it just feels like we're kind of going... Going backward, going backward, and again, we've got no solution. You know, Gary Neville apparently has left the coaching staff. He's someone that we've seen him do his analytics so, so well on Sky Sports. Whether that's been translated to a coaching or whether he can translate that to, you know, as being an assistant manager, I feel that he can do. But we've got to give him support. And you know, him leaving and him resigning, obviously, would be from the old boys at the FA. or he's got to go. He's part of that that regime. Maybe come back and give him a chance. Because quite frankly, there's nobody there. Um, that can be an, that can we could look and be like look he is a revolutionary in the English game and that is through education that is through teaching that's through understanding but also is through giving these people time. I do think and England that- is looking you know they are
2: looking for a for a messiah though and that's the wrong thing to look for. Yeah, that is the there? wrong thing. We should um, be
3: looking to produce a lot of coaches of quality, right, Lawrence? Uh,
2: well, yeah, they should. I mean, you know, what they should be looking to do is uh, you know doing the same as a lot of other countries look for, not just one person to focus everything around there's a lot of issues in the game I think which is probably a longer podcast but we will find that out um, you know uh, in the the coming days I think there'll be a big post-mortem over England Um, but I mean Um, anyone else seen the great uh, clip tonight of McLaren on Sky (laughs)
1: I was just about to say on the plus side, we did get Steve McLaren's uh, reaction and analysis on Sky Sports News. He's sort of, after the 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 first England goal, he's sort of waxing lyrical about having them to play and how they're sort of cutting Iceland apart and Iceland aren't really offering much. And he's sort of mid-sentence. When he it's says, like, oh, I think, I think no. he says,
2: yeah, it's Gunnarsson. Uh, and yeah. he's so like, they've only got one thing and that's one big guy up front. Oh. oh. Yeah, dear. oh no. <laughs> and he's sort of like, oh no. I mean, you feel a bit sorry for Steve, don't you? Because, you know, poor guy.
0: Poor. Oh. Not in the slightest. Poor Steve. No, yeah, I mean, there, Kristen really I doesn't... i g- generally got no sympathy for Steve McLaren. Why? Oh, <laughs> I've just seen the clip. Bec- His because face the, absolutely drops. Be- <laughs> because I think in a lot of ways, Steve McLaren embodies the problem. He He's someone who is limited tactically. Uh, I think he's actually incredibly stubborn bordering on smug at times and I think he's unwilling to embrace modern football in in the way that it needs to be embraced and yet he is still in a prominent position yes he's not coaching at the minute but he's handed a prominent analysis position And, and this is the thing that sometimes gets lost as well is as much as you want to talk about getting coaches into the game, the people that we use as analysts is are, are arguably mm, just as important point. because they're they're influencing and they're shaping the young shaping minds, of yeah, the the game mm. as well. Yeah, they're they're, le- they're leading the discussion and and you know, look, we we can all think of examples and we've all talked about it off air ex-players, ex-coaches who do these uh, commentary gigs on television, and you can tell they're phoning it, and you can tell there's no great interest in in what they're doing or any research Mm. gone into it. And yet I've sat and watched Taylor Twellman on ESPN, someone who you can tell is consistently reading stuff, consistently ingesting things, and can analyze the game in a very intelligent way. So it is not a a field bereft of these people. If anything, Mm. there are those who unfortunately for the most part haven't had the greatest playing careers those are the ones I find who tend to do the most work are the ones that maybe don't yeah. have achievements to back it up um, which or is unfortunate the pitch, but then yeah they they still have a good reading of the game yeah achievements of course and and this is the thing as well is it you need a lot of changes we, we, again Lawrence and, and and Adam you guys both work in content you know exactly what it's like when you'll do a video shoot and you'll be handed Will not name people, but generic ex-professional who, for the most part, will stick to cliche and stick to things that can't really be proved one way. other, a lot of intangibles, and list those off as being important factors yeah, in the but, game. But he's cracking that's, banter, Chris. He's cracking banter. That's <laughs> the, that's the thing. We've 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 replaced analysis with pretty much what is a a, a cheap laugh or a joke. That that's.
3: The question is, did we ever have that analysis, Chris? I think you made some really good points there. I think Danny Drinkwater is my one of my favourite pundits, and what you know, he he won stuff at Manchester United, but he he had a pretty decent career, played really good football. You know, I'd love to be in his position. Danny Drinkwater. Sorry, Danny uh, Danny Higginbottom. Yeah. Sorry, okay. Sorry, yeah. Lawrence. Sorry, Lawrence. You know, don't kill me. But no, he, I just I
2: just, just I just thought I've
3: never seen his analysis. I'd to love to see EU. it. Okay. I know you're a bit upset right now, Lawrence. But people make mistakes. Yeah yeah but Danny dagen hebot a great a great analyst it says the right thing understands the game did a lot of work with bt sport on you know on German football credit to him and he's going the right way I feel like some of the players that have left the game uh, feel privileged that they are they deserve to be there and they don't have to do the hard work anymore they don't have to do the hard graft and inherently why they got to the position they did was because they grafted hard in the younger part of their career and now leaving it and being in that position it's just it does kill the game and it, you know, it's great what we're saying here. Uh, you know, this should be pushed out everywhere. We should send this to the FA and just be like, look, listen to this Listen to this right now. <laughs> listen it's to this.
1: Um, there was, of course, another game today, guys, apart from England yeah. getting dumped out by Iceland. Um, Iceland, of course, going through to face France. It was Spain, Italy. Italy winning 2-0. Lawrence, uh, superbly organised team, defroning Spain, ending any sort
2: of slim chances they had of uh, of winning that unprecedented third European crown. Yeah, I thought it was a very impressive performance. I mean, uh, Italy did what they needed to do. Uh, both uh, goals of, I think, uh, essentially working on what uh, Spain were not good at. Which again, we, we you know we sort of identified as the complacency, not following in after free kicks, leaving certain gaps uh, where they might feel they're strong. Uh, you know, essentially attacking the right areas of Spain and. Uh, getting at them in the way they were supposed to. And I think that Conte lined them up perfectly. They were intense in all the right areas um, and essentially loaded the right parts. You know, it was three, three, four at times because of the way they played the fullbacks, Dave and I we spoke about that on TFR live. You can go back and watch the analysis of the game at the time. Um, and also I think what was was good about Italy was there was an air of revenge in the air hmm. for these Italians because they remember what went on at the previous tournament. Um, you know, the humiliation they went through in the final. Um, and also, I, I, I think uh, this Italy side is it, somewhat. There's some, somewhat of an NBA sort of vibe about it that it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's the sum of its parts. And, you know, we, we've spoken about that already at the tournament, but some other sides that maybe uh, didn't have the individual talent maybe had to make up for it in other ways. I think people underestimate, I think, uh, what the Italian side is capable of. It's going to be so interesting see them line up against Germany in the next round and I think in many ways we're going to see uh, Spain go through another transition now away and it'd be fascinating to see who they put up as manager next because you know uh, Del Bosque has been there for quite some time now and you know he's, he's benefited from a lot of club work which is, I think that's the, there's a big difference between the club work that Spain have got which is you know Real Madrid Atletico Madrid Barcelona who have all looked to put in progressive systems uh,
1: That's I mean that's the thing is as good as Italy were um, Spain were, were pretty poor Dave I mean it does show how far they've fallen I mean they did suffer that humiliation at the 2010 World Cup and as Lawrence says it feels like they need to go in a new direction now after Del Bosque uh, the
3: 2014 World Cup sorry Adam sorry that's the, the 2010 World Cup didn't they win that one uh, yeah that <laughs> they humiliation they humiliated I, everyone else <laughs> I think yeah. I think that this Spain team you know mentioned before is in is in massive transition and they've got no identity at the moment Um they just they weren't they weren't on on par and the Italy team was so aggressive they pressed them well they played Spain how you should be playing Spain I was so impressed with both of the wing backs, um, Ferenzi and Di were absolutely brilliant Di winning three out of three of his tackles. Um, you know, six clearances, making two interceptions defensively was really good. But also going forward, created two chances. And then Ferenzi was the out there on the right hand side. I thought they were both brilliant, and they played their positions perfectly. This Spanish team is very narrow. What they were doing, they were pressing uh, Italy's three, uh, back three with their forward three. Obviously, this opens up space to firstly De Rossi, but also their wing backs. The wing backs were so good at. Going out and intercepting the ball at the right time, or pressing at the right time, and going and then counter-attacking. And it was Italy are going to be Italy Germany is going to be fascinating. This Italian team has so much work in it. giacarini Perolo, two very aggressive midfielders. You know what's Jackerini doing at international tournaments? He's absolutely awesome. <laughs> if he could, if he could pull this to a club of football, he'd be like one of the best players in the world. But probably <laughs> getting it. to the end of his career. Um, I think he's around 30, 31 now. Did go to Sunderland. That was his big move. A bit of a mistake. Should have probably stayed in Italy. But he looks.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Good. He looks so good. And with Bonucci, Ugly, and Chiellini. Wow. What a back three. And then Buffon and Goal, that save. Obviously, David De Gea got the headlines for the goalkeeper made what four or five world-class saves. But Buffon made that crucial save at the end of the game when I think it was it was still one-nil to Italy, yeah. and he made that great save, got down though. But I was so impressed with Italy as I was when they played the Be- when they played Belgium. I mean, you talk about
1: Jaccarini there, Dave, and surely even that just speaks to to how well-drilled Conte's got this team and how he's got them. As Lawrence says, that they're, they're more than the sum of their parts. Well, the defence is very strong. They are lacking up front, but they're, they're looking rock solid. Chris and as these guys are saying they're going through to play Germany in the next round and you feel like the winner of that could well go on to win the whole thing
0: I really like Italy during this tournament I've, I've really enjoyed watching them um, I think what they represent is the notion if you can keep at least parts of your team from the same club it really improves your chemistry a lot um, that back four of Buffon, Chiellini, Bonucci, Boselli does play at club level and played against Morata for most of this season in training, so we'll have known him quite well. And I think that kind of showed in in little instances during this game. It's it's timely that Conte will now be coming to the Premier League because I think I've I've seen more positive words about him now than I have in the the years prior when he was at Juventus, which is is perhaps telling of the way we ingest football. I, I think in general. This Italian team is well-drilled, and it goes back to the discussion we were having with with England. A a system will usually win you a tournament, not individuals. And the second you move away from the notion of a talisman, I think you start to make progress as a team. Because look at the team that that won won the World Cup in, in 2010, Spain, their opponents. There was no standout player for them, there was no talisman, it was about the team. Um, I would argue a similar situation four four years on in in Brazil with Germany even go to the the Italian team of 06 I don't think there's a talisman in that team I think it's a a burden that is shared amongst the squad um, and amongst the group as a whole it would be I think a little bit naive at this point to to say they will definitely win it I think you're right though they have the greatest chance um, to potentially do it relative to where they started because Mm. people it's self included. Didn't think they would go far, but I think they've they've operated with a discipline that will scare most opponents, most particularly Germany. I think um, because I don't think Germany can can match that level of of structure or organisation at this precise moment.
1: Chelsea fans getting very excited uh, about about this one. Uh, in the TFR towers, get very excited about Conte. Um, be fascinating to see how he gets on next year, um, and indeed in this tournament. There was one other little bit of news today though, we should probably talk about and that was Lionel Messi announcing his retirement from international football Chris this of course coming after Argentina lost the Copa America final last night to Chile on penalties uh Messi missing one of the penalties of course as Argentina lost a third final in three years now Messi coming out after the game uh some some interesting quotes from him there's there's the little bit of There's there's a gap in there, essentially, for him to come back from this. But he says, I think this is best for everyone, first of all for me, and then for everyone. I think there's a lot of people who want this, who obviously are not satisfied, and we are not satisfied reaching a final and not winning it. It's very hard, but the decision is taken. Now I will not try more, and there will be no going back, is what he says. Now, Chris... Obviously, very emotional Messi after the game and some people saying this may not be definite. Uh, what's your sort of immediate reaction? Because you are obviously there at the final. You were there seeing Messi in the flesh.
0: Yeah, I, I, I quickly learned what the word Terminar means in English um, and its significance to, to what Messi had said. Funnily enough, I, I was privy to, to that conversation. I can honestly tell you I didn't understand what was being said because it was all going quite quickly in Spanish. Um, But he did then come down and do the the second mix on and and kind of talked a little bit more. What you can say about that is, yes, Messi was hugely emotional. He was in in tears at the end of the game. And even when the the fifth Chilean penalty goes in, my eyes were kind of drawn to the Argentina team to see the contrast between emotion because as the Chile bench and everything flooded towards their goal scorer, the Argentinians, for the most part, just collapsed because there was so much history riding on this game. I mean, Olay the, the big sports paper, ran the headline, we can't lose going into this game. And, and in the, the piece I did for Yahoo, I kind of toyed with the, the notion of maybe it's like bragging, kind of, you know, we can't lose, we're so brilliant. Or actually, it was intense nerves, the notion of we can't lose a third final in three years. Um, because that's the other thing. This was, I think, Messi's fourth final now. I believe Mascherano's yeah. lost five finals with yeah. them. They, they, they have really cemented uh, an idea of being serial chokers at international level. Um, and, you know, that was the question asked of Tata Martino in his press conference after, is, is how do you explain this? And he he did kind of climb into a real ambiguous answer and say, you know, our players know that these things can happen. I thought we deserved to win it in the 90, in the 120 minutes, but we didn't. This is, these things happen. I think honestly, there is a mentality issue with, um, Argentina at this point. They looked incredibly meek for large portions of this game. Funnily enough, prior to, to Messi's, uh, confirmation of retirement, the big talking point was the referee. Um, he He should definitely consider retiring. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, if you look at his refereeing record, he sent, I think, four players off in his last five games. Yeah, he loves a card. Oh, he loves a card. Um, He he even... um, Roberto Rojas uh, was telling me that he even uh, refereed the game between these two in World Cup qualifying earlier in the year. And that game, he handed out six yellow cards. And he just didn't have control of things. You could see every time there was a decision, the players would surround him. Um, in fact, for for Marcelo Diaz's second yellow card, it's Messi that is gesturing instantly to to get him a booking um, after he fouls him. And it was a a poor first half, really. I think the the second half you saw a little bit more football, but throughout the the ninety even 120 minutes, there was just flickers of brilliance from from Messi. Just kind of the the trademark of what you expect. He would look uh, great with the ball of his feet. But that final moment that he needed was was an issue. Um, but I think if, if you're looking as well to, to appropriate blame, you have to give a good portion to Gonzalo Higuain because he has the best chance for, for Argentina. Um, credit also to Claudio Bravo for producing a, a really sensational save from a Kun header. But that doesn't explain the fact that Gonzalo Higuain, one-on-one, decides to chip it instead of just smashing it. Just yeah, side-foot anything. Don't difficult. try and... It, it was... It, on the one hand, it was needlessly complicated. On the other hand, to me, it spoke of someone who was very nervous. Um, mm-hmm. And and I wanted to to ask Martino at the end was was he at all concerned when that chance went begging? Because there was just something about the way he approached it. Having seen him for Napoli this season and the confidence he plays with, there was just this hesitation in the way he approached the ball um, when he was going to to strike it. I, I think the the difficulty with this game is though. We're so focused on Argentina because of the prominent story that broke after it. Um, Ole's headline today, funnily enough, was don't go, with Messi on the the front cover, of course. I think Chile deserve immense credit as well, though, because they played this game expertly. I didn't give them a huge chance going into it. Um, I did think that Argentina would finally break that duck and, and break the hoodoo. But what you have to say about Juan Antonio Pizzi is he's developed a very assured style, a very confident style, that is really difficult to play against um it's it's high intensity it's high pace but not to the point where they burn themselves out they, they've they got enough key components Arangi Sanchez who can keep going for, for 120 minutes basically they were running pretty much the the pair of them and that allows them to pressure teams in in a way that I think few in the world can and it really didn't settle Argentina at parts for this for this game and I think it's interesting that he said, you know, they've raised their ceiling, this team, and he hopes that they keep doing that because I think we could start to see something with Chile now. There's just something about the way they play. I think if they can maintain the the structure that they have with Pizzi, that maybe they didn't have defensively with Sampaioli, we could start to see them really do something in in not only Comnibol, Ball, but also on a a world stage. Chris, I see you've already started tweeting
2: uh, certain managers to see if they're still free. (laughs)
0: I did uh, jokingly tweet an account that was linked to Marcello Bielsa saying if he wanted the England job. Um, But, uh, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. He would be so perfect. Um, To (laughs) to try and give them, yeah, just to kind of give them a little bit of of vim and vigour. And, you know, this is the thing. I think he could inspire them a little bit as well because Dimitri Payet said just last week that when he worked with Bielsa at at Marseille, he really bought into it, and he told this anecdote of... I think it's Mandanda he turns to and says, after a team talk from Bielsa, I would die for this man now. Now, that might sound uh, quite sensationalist, quite melodramatic. I think it gives you just a window into what uh, Bielsa can achieve, though, I think, uh, and what he can inspire in players. And I think England's players need that. They need a bit of inspiration. But uh, I think, ultimately, to draw it back to to Messi if if we can the retirement when you actually look at the facts and you look at the timeline is not a huge surprise because he's never been universally accepted um, by this this public in Argentina they've for a long period seen him as as kind of a a foreigner that plays for the national team a Spaniard or a Catalan that that represents Argentina we've discussed before the fact that for a long period he was pitted against Tevez on the national team and and Tevez was the player of the people Um, and even when they they went out of the 2011 Copa America and Tevez misses the penalty. It's still Messi that gets blamed. Um, he's still the one that has to to take the book. And I think there comes a point where you you tire of that. You know you, you tire of trying to prove yourself to people that for the most part will will likely never accept you as one of their own. Um, and I think in terms of his retirement, you know I did something with with Adam for the Football Republic in which I said maybe it wasn't the best idea. Okay. I think the the benefit for him is he can go away now and decide if he really wants this he can spend some time away from the national team and watch them from a distance and see do i miss that do i miss the training camps do i miss being with the guys do i miss the opportunity to leave that legacy or am i willing to accept that my legacy with argentina will be a runners-up medal for the most part it does also Um, seem like that's the big question
2: that he's he's posturing a little bit with the guys who are at the top, doesn't it? I mean, that's at least the theory that he, he's sort of, uh, there's elements of, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And there are also elements of, uh, that, you know, essentially he's not very happy with the AFA.
0: Of course. I mean, look, this is the thing as well. I think of the, the rush of emotions and everything that was in the press box and in the press room when this was announced, I can only imagine the complexity of emotion that he felt having lost that fourth final, having struggled to, to get himself, that winner's medal that he so much desired, and as you rightly say, Lawrence, he's had issues with the AFA. Um, he referred to them as a disaster after their flight in Houston was delayed. And the AFA did that in brilliant.
1: Instagram, didn't he? Didn't did it in a little Instagram yeah. post?
0: I mean, this is the thing. It's difficult to to brand the AFA as, as anything other than a disaster at the minute because of the situation they're in. FIFA has already had to come in and and take over things and sort things out. That story really is far from concluded. You know, there's an issue when
2: FIFA are coming in and sorting out your problems.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a difficulty that again I think plays into the emotion of. He just looked very tired last night. He looked very tired. He looked drained. He looked upset. And uh, again, it's it is the heat of the moment. Um, I do. I think oh, that's I what's, what's motivated the decision. I'm sure those
1: frustrations of the AFA sort of contributed, but I doubt it was that. I, I doubt it's some sort of game of brinkmanship. It, as Lawrence said, it seems like it's very, um, it seems like quite an emotional decision. I mean, what have you made of the reaction to it, Lawrence, in terms of, I know Chris is talking about how in Argentina, maybe he's never really been in the hearts of the fans there, but even uh, in, a, in a broader sense people are calling this a cowardly decision criticising him for sort of walking out on the national team without you know winning anything as Chris says his legacy will be as a runner up do you think that's fair or do you think you have to sort of appreciate the the toll all of the pressures and all of the frustrations have taken on him
2: th- I think obviously journalists are going to take there are, there are some journalists who probably wouldn't think about writing a thousand words on something and only taking a thousand words with one angle but i do also think there are some journalists who are sort of taking a little bit longer with it i also think it's obviously it's a poor understanding of the culture um and where Messi where messy might be coming from you know i was talking to a couple of guys who were saying you know ronaldo doesn't celebrate so readily with his teammates because he believes that it somewhat takes away the limelight from the rest of the guys and that you know uh, you know while that is somewhat of a humble brag because it's sort of like, oh God, I'm so famous, I really shouldn't be around you guys. Um, it is also a sort of like, it, there's something quite sad and lonely about that that I think a lot of people don't understand what it's like to be at the top. We've seen so many other people kind of fall from that. You know, uh, I think with Messi especially, it does become a bit, you know, there is, there is even more that he carries quite a lot uh, himself. Also that he has, um, how can I put it? The, you know, wh- You know, when you're at the very top and there are so many... Uh, Pulls and constraints on you, I think that there are issues that he needs to uh, step away from. And it is about stepping away from that and allowing other people to grow into the situation sometimes. Uh, He's still relatively young. I I don't think anyone takes that sort of decision lightly, not least Messi, because... You know, not only is it about uh, him enjoying his football, but it's also about building a legacy in that country and seeing what has happened with other great superstars there. It's also about, you know, how marketable can you be if you're not playing for your international side? Um, So I think there's a lot of different directions that Messi's going to be pulled in. I think he's more astute than a lot of people let on. Whilst he's silent, that doesn't mean he's stupid. Um, You know, I think a lot of people sort of think, well, you know, he's a young, humble, humble guy. I do think he sort of allows other people to assume a lot of things and that must also take a lot of strength. Um, And at the same time, you know, I think it must be incredibly frustrating to be in his situation. So I think it's it's also difficult to write about someone who's incredibly private because very often Mm. you see journalists taking their own way of thinking and putting it onto someone else and sort of going, well, he must be thinking this way. Um, And I imagine there are a few people out there that are able to understand that situation because it is so unique. At the same time, I think football is, for some weird reason, a place which is full of so much judgment of other people. Mm. Um, You know, it's it's very often I think that actually there's, uh, you know, there are some truisms in football, and actually I think some teams are almost free of that. Iceland are a team that are free of judgment. You know, it's essentially just enjoying the ride, enjoying the trip, and enjoying what their team are doing. Chile have had their problems, but there is also a lot of positivity around that side. Um, And, you know, what we saw, uh, we see a lot of the positives when they are free of that judgment. Um, And I think we're seeing a lot of that now is actually most people are being brought down by the issues which surround them, as opposed to the issues which are maybe the ones they should be addressing. And same for Messi, essentially.
1: Dave, do you think there does seem to be the suspicion that people think he'll be back for russia i mean as lawrence points out there's a lot of factors coming into it i mean we spoke to juan from now nation earlier who said that he doesn't think adidas will be particularly happy with him playing uh, in the Nike shirt of barcelona all the time and and not in the adidas shirt of argentina and those are the sort of pressures you do have as a modern footballer a lot of people saying you know two years out come back for the world cup uh potentially end his, his international career there with his legacy uh a, a bit closer to uh, Diego Maradona, who, of course, he's always compared with. Do you think this is the end for him, or do you suspect he's going to come back eventually?
3: Well, you know, I hope he comes back. I think he's a, he's a player that, that you know needs to do on the international stage. For some people, some people compare him with Maradona. He's better than Maradona. Lionel Messi's goal scoring record is a joke. You watch Maradona, you watch Lionel Messi. Maradona did it in a few games Lionel Messi does it every single time he plays football look his record at the Copa America absolutely crazy stats he's directly involved in a goal every 38 minutes of the tournament that's insane absolutely insane numbers what so he's nearly directly involved in three goals a game that's crazy that's carrying a team by the scruff of the neck I think he's fine he he takes the time off what's the point of Lionel Messi travelling around for the qualifiers doesn't need to he can go in. He can take some time off and then come back for the tournament. He'll get in the team. Well, because David, it, there is
2: also part of the. It is also partly the, well. There's an experience in football, but you know, go with go. Have a good experience. Enjoy your football. Mm. You know, don't just don't just it, right? don't just come in when it's like right. Can we win now? Great, let's win. But, but that's not that's not the get the.
3: I think he's he's he has right. he's, he's so, lost. You know,
1: Helped his Argentina. team. Go to the the tournament, you know. And he should be uh, he should be sort of doing more to help his national team.
3: But I think I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question because I'm massively for club football over... She's getting in the car. That's the messy alarm. <laughs> over, for, over, for club football over international football. I'm right. not massively excited when I watch England. It's, it's yeah, just one of those things. I can't... i not blame you. But yeah. I,
2: I, I that, I'm, but, so I'm massively excited when I watch good football. I was very excited by watching
3: Spain and... Um, that excites me more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just feel that uh, you know, if Lionel Messi doesn't want to play, I'd rather see him play for Barcelona. He's better for Barcelona. He plays with those Barcelona players every single day when he's uh, obviously at the club, and that's a bet. You know, there's more uh, fluidity in that style. They know what he's going to do. They have an appreciation of what he's going to do, and I just feel it's a bit better watching Messi for Barcelona. That's, than Watching Messi the, for the, Argentina.
1: The thing is, though, as a player, as a, you know, for his legacy, almost he is, for me, the greatest player of all time. But for a lot of people, this is putting a a black mark on his career. So to walk out on a team like this when he is... The best player in the world, the most influential player in the national team.
2: I don't think he's Obst- walking out though. Essentially, if he, if he was well, that's the only, yeah, but if he was the only person in that side that was fantastic, then you'd sort of be like, oh my god, he's left this team bare. They've they've put every, they've built everything around him to some extent. They have, but at the same time, they have other leaders. Mascherano in there, like you say, Higuain is still a pretty key striker. The them Aguero is fantastic. Ma- uh, you know, Maxi Rodriguez was still a fairly uh, sort of prominent player in that side for quite a while because of the way that he treated Argentina. You've, you've got so many like
1: so Di Maria. Max- Mascherano has retired.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but no, but you know what, you know what I'm saying is that it's not, it's not just, I mean, I'm, I'm more gutted that Mascherano is retired than anyone else. Um, But, you know, I I also think that it's also the emphasis that we put on players and people at that time. I do think in the fullness of time, the fullness of history, we see Mm. the significance of those people. And I do think that at the moment our eyes are drawn to look at this icon, look at all his individual achievements, look at this, look at that, because that's what football is looking for at that time. And, And, you know, essentially we will look back at some point and think, God, the media higher And the number of eyes on one guy must have—that's ridiculous. And I think yeah. we will appreciate the achievements in uh, another way, uh, even very soon. I imagine, even in just a few weeks, you know, even in a couple of years, and we look back. So I think there's a lot more to it. And I think you know, Messi and Ronaldo and a couple of those other guys are very much crafting that because they've learned mm. from other guys. They they, they have learned from the likes of. Uh, I mean, essentially, the blueprint was laid down by O.J. Simpson. Um, and that, you know, it's no joke. Um, and that was followed by Michael Jordan. And, um, you know, uh, the the original Ronaldo tried to follow that as well. If he hadn't have been so plagued with injuries, then we would have seen uh, a similar sort of legacy laid down by him. Cristiano follows it. Messi follows
0: what it. What a fucking dinner party this is turning out to be, by the way. But, yeah,
2: yeah. But, no, but you know what I mean, though, uh, that these guys uh, are building a brand and that brand, the, the word brand is uh, synonymous and a synonym for so many other things that go on in football and go on in sports in general. And I think Messi realises um, a lot more than maybe some other people who are writing in the short term do. I do feel
1: like, you know, there, there is, as you said, there's so much focus and so much pressure on Messi and when things go wrong. And, you know, obviously there's a massive story him in retiring from international football. It, it becomes all about Messi and uh, it becomes such a negative thing when it, it's harder to say he dragged... Argentina, it feels like, to this final this time, he's been sensational again. for Copa America. Yeah, again in 2015, last year. In he was very World excited. Cup. 20, yeah, that's what I mean. That's <laughs> the other way to look at it, and people don't really look at it from that side of the story. You know, OK, he's been incredible d- for Argentina. I disagree yes, he's with he's,
0: that, though.
1: Yeah. Which, I
0: disagree I know it's with the, the notion final. that he dragged them. I disagree with the notion he dragged them to this final. I, I think, look, he not they really he's not been
1: decisive in this tournament.
0: I think he supplemented what was a very good team. Um, I mean, look, they started this competition without him. He, they they'd all but qualified by the time he he rocked up anyway. Um, they beat, ironically, they beat Chile without him in the first game of the, in the first game or their first game of the competition. Excuse me. So the the thing is, I think you have to be careful in not only not deriding him too much and saying he is a, a failure, but then also on the flip side, not saying that he is the difference and the only reason the other 10 players standing on the pitch in the Copa America final. I think the truth of the matter lies is that the team as a whole did not show up against Mm. um, Chile. The only one, honestly, I think that can come out of that final and say, you know what, I did pretty much everything I could was Javier Mascherano. Now, for me, and I'm potentially going to write this as as well, um, perhaps for for the front two blog, is... I think the bigger disappointment is that Mascherano didn't take a title away now because he's retired, because that is a man who is Mr. Dependable. This is a guy who's who's played for his country for, for, I think, going on 13 years now, had made a senior appearance for the national team before he'd even made a senior appearance for River Plate. And yet, despite his dependency, or his dependability, excuse me, and his reliability for that team in major games, he's gonna leave the the national team with a lot of runners-up medals. The bigger issue, I think, if you're talking about replacing players who are retiring, I think the bigger issue is replacing Mascherano because so consistently throughout this tournament, he has been the one that's organized the back line and also the midfield and kept things composed and kept things tidy. And when he's had a bad game or he's had a wobble, that usually has been the precursor to Argentina having a wobble. Um, It's funny that against Venezuela, the 15-minute period that, that Tata Martino talks about when Venezuela disrupted the game, it came almost exactly the moment after Mascherano had a little bit of a wobble himself. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, he's the bigger fulcrum in terms of the team dynamic and the way that they maintain their composure and all that thing than Messi's. Messi's influential That's in the attack. Um, but I think for me, Mascherano is, is the most important cog.
1: That's the, it just feels like, you know, was it, was it five goals, five assists, and already people are forgetting about that and going, it's failure for Messi, it's another failure. And failing to recognise at least the contribution he made. Even if, you know, as you say, Chris, and you know more than me, Mascherano is more vile to that. People are ignoring the fact that, that Messi helped get him there. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, the the, the difficulty he faces himself is... <sighs> They're never going to accept him realistically. He's he's always, it's always what have you done for me lately? That's that's the problem yeah. he'll always face. Um, <laughs> and he either has to accept that and and take it on board and just acknowledge he will never be appreciated, or as he has done for the time being, he's chosen to remove himself from the situation um, and and focus solely on his club form.
1: Mm, let's, see how, let's see if he comes back. Let's see how it pans out. But for now, Lionel Messi has announced his retirement from international
2: football. I also think there um, are darker forces at play, but maybe that's something we can't talk about. I think Messi owes, um, I think Messi owes a lot to a lot of people in Europe. Um, and yeah. I think a few of those people still have influence over his camp. But that's, I mean, that's something that we can't really comment on. But I, I think Barcelona and a couple of other institutions out there definitely have more influence than we can acknowledge.
1: Interesting and mysterious. Um, right, let them done, with done, your done, crazy done, done, done. theories. <laughs> let's leave it on the on the good the good news uh, on the on the optimistic note that Alan Shearer uh, has hinted he wants to be the next thing the manager.
2: What was um, exactly? Was
1: it Shira, something Shira, on the lines of? Says on he was turned up, down yeah. for the job previously
2: due um, to lack, of, lack experience. of experience, and apparently yeah, sitting around on a couch yeah. and having chats with people makes you more qualified.
1: Hey, Gary Lineker pointed out that uh, Beckenbauer, from West Germany, with no experience. So you know, yeah,
3: so but yeah. Beckenbauer was a great thinker of the game. <laughs> so <laughs> so is Alan Shearer? Dates management, pervertly. So who's Alan Shearer? Oh, okay, sorry,
1: Adam. Good. I accept your apology. But now, though, guys, thank you so much for listening to the front three. Let us know your thoughts on England crashing out of the Euros at the usual place on Twitter the front free with the number, not the word. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about maybe who's going to be the next England manager. More fallout from the whole situation as well as our previews uh, of some of the quarterfinals coming up. For now though, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, your time in America is coming to
2: an end, no, you've I you still believe. got quite a lot. you still got like another two weeks, right? Two weeks?
0: Yeah, I'll be uh, at huh? the... <laughs> I'll be at the New York Derby probably uh, next weekend oh, so that's kind of my nice. next taking a few days off down in Florida and then I'll be back up for another game
1: have a bloody good time um, Dave <laughs> a pleasure as always to speak to you
3: oh thanks mate you know we also need to talk about the uh, other games that we, we didn't chat about you know Poland Portugal yeah yeah no um, they, uh, well, there was, well, Dave, there's a lot of good
2: that's, football that's tomorrow Dave we're going to go through yeah, that's everything sort of that to so form come up.
3: back Come retweet. back tomorrow for more fun. But also, go on to Dave and just click retweet on the top tweet. It's currently banging. It's blown up. It's is, exploded. It? Now the, the, the listeners need to go check it out themselves. Yeah
2: but, yeah, but Dave, Good Dave, what, how many, what's, what number is it on at the moment? Go and oh, it's Dave, on, triple that number.
3: It's on 1,600... No, 1,500-something 1, retweets. I'll tell you what. 1,500... Wow, that's and... banged, mate. That's truly banged. My, my Twitter won't even work on my phone at the moment but <laughs> how, how did you get it to bang so hard I don't know I just think it was a good tweet you know you, you put the work in sometimes on Twitter and they bang other times they don't oh did squakin nick your tweet now that he's talking about me uh, can I <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, I've, just mm-hmm. given,
2: I've just given uh Rashford a little tweet on Ooh. front three go, go i mean you don't even have to go to squawk of dave anymore you can just go to our podcast account and you can take a look um thanks for coming
1: Ooh, i love
2: it yeah um, love it. That's lawrence terrible.
1: why else why else should the people come back tomorrow
2: to listen uh we've got plenty more funny funny stories Oh, from this. Stopped. You know what I discovered the other day, which I'll just I'll tease it a little bit. I've been fascinated to see that some uh, guys who are in the game, Piero uh, Pierre uh, Emerick has got a father who as an Instagram, which is just uh, Papa Ahamiang. <laughs> now it is a fantastic, Papa fantastic account. Right account. Um, this guy basically just posts consistent pictures with his son, and it is brilliant. Let me see if I can find it for you again. Albanian. let's just let's just
1: leave the lesson the listeners with that because that is quite something papa
2: obamiang
3: papa oh,
2: have you found it yeah yeah there you go so if you search i think if you search papa obamiang there are some but just great pictures of just him and his son oh he seems like a really top bloke doesn't he yeah it, it's just it is he's dead happy there we go found him obamiang papa it's Papa, and it's basically him um, and his his son looking like an absolute player. But him, just <laughs> a series of pictures with his son, he's so excited and so happy. It's brilliant. Can we
1: set up uh, O'Brien.papa and it's just Dave and his dad Dave in a oh, together? I mean, no, know. Can we do the front Dave's, Dave's an absolute player, as we all know. So I think it would, <laughs> we all know Dave's dad's an absolute player. Um, oh, the other way around, you know. Yeah. The dad's the player in many ways. Um, on that note guys that brings an end from free. thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you tomorrow bye 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 bye. what's goodbye in Icelandic Uh,
2: you suck fuck off home (laughs) it's probably along the lines it's probably did you see you know the best bit was actually wasn't it when all the Icelandic uh, players went down to the Icelandic end and all the Icelandic fans were doing the clap and the players did it with them See, that's the kind of moment that the England sick. fans want. My God. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. They just want Div. to connect
2: by heart with these multi-millionaires.